You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Now, I don't know where all of my listeners hunt, but I have a feeling a majority of the people who listen to this podcast are in the Midwest. Anywhere from you know the Dakotas to uh, the East Coast, and um, if you are in the northern part of the United States, from the Midwest to the East, there is a gigantic cold front coming through uh, this weekend, and it's starting. Let's see, this this podcast is launching on a Friday, and uh, throughout the day, Friday, uh, it's going to be up to, depending on where you're at, up to 20 degree temperature drop, so that's very significant, if not more. Um, I think the high on Saturday is supposed to be 39 degrees, so in a 36-hour time frame, it's going to be dropping even more than that. So we're, we're talking about uh, 70s down to 30s, which is like a, a 35 degree temperature drop. And uh, that's pretty significant. So if you guys haven't had the opportunity to uh, tag out yet, it might be worth sitting in the tree um, this weekend. I know the rut's probably winding down, but that's, there is still plenty of time to, uh, you know, get in the tree stand and maybe find that last buck, uh, that find where that last doe that needs to be bred or, you know, find your, put yourself in a pinch point or a travel corridor where these, uh, big bucks are, are cruising and looking for the last remaining doe. Um, I've, I've never had real success calling late season because it's almost like these deer have been called at quite a few times already but as far as rattling is concerned but if you find a a buck who has the body language to where he's thrashing a tree or he's he's uh got his head down throw a grunt you know throw a grunt at him throw a snort wheeze at him and uh, maybe try to get their attention uh as far as the rut's concerned it's that time of year where if it was me and i had limited time to hunt based off of my vacation being over or you know getting back to being a family man I would probably start throwing some Hail Marys, uh, maybe tearing down your tree stand and moving closer to uh, the bedding areas or, you know, diving into an area that you may have let settle for a while. Get in there, be aggressive, you know, be smart about it, but be aggressive. Um, it's, it's time to, it's that time of year where I feel you can be, you can start being a little bit more aggressive because if a gun season hasn't happened already. A gun season is coming to your state. And from my experiences and from experiences of the the guys that I talk to, you know, in the Michigans, the Pennsylvanias, the Ohios, um, gun season changes everything. And, uh, you know, you think you have a buck pattern and then you just never see him again. Hope, you know. They're, they're, they get shot, they go nocturnal, or uh, they just disappear off your property altogether and uh, don't come back until the following season or, or don't come back at all. So that's me just BSing, uh, throwing some opinions your way. Take it how you want it. You know, It's one of those things where I always say people can give you advice, but they, they don't hunt the same properties you do. Uh, so you have to use your brain and you have to um, 
take principles that you've learned from, let's say, the Wired to Hunt podcast or my podcast or any other podcast that tells you, you know, maybe gives you tips for strategy, and you have to apply those principles to your own property. Um, so, you know, take that everything what I just said with a grain of salt. Now, today we got a podcast, and we're going to be talking with Chase Mallory. Uh, he's from Ohio. And uh, we're just basically going to BS with him. Uh, this was going to be a hunter profile podcast, but we turned out, you know, it turned out talking about just everything from strategy, how he hunts, to the properties that he hunts, how he got into hunting, and then ending it with uh, um, him killing a the story of him killing a specific. Uh, a specific buck this year looks really cool i love the characteristics of the rack if you want to see a picture of it go to the facebook page or go to ninefingerchronicles.com and uh, check out this uh, the blog post so but before we get into today's podcast let's talk with matt klein from exodus trail cameras about how to prevent trail camera theft and exodus trail cameras theft replacement policy Absolutely. So there are a lot of things people can do. There are a lot of things on the market now. Obviously, we've got security or bear boxes, as people like to call them. They've been out for some time. They've probably saved a lot of cameras over the years. Python cable locks. Um, Cam Guardian makes a camera-specific uh, lock product. Um, we typically, and I, I tell you this, we've run a lot of cameras and a lot of cameras on public and private land. We don't lock any of them up. What we do is we put them up high, about seven or eight feet, get them out of people's line of sight. And it actually not only helps them not get stolen, but it also keeps them out of the nose of a mature deer and seems to help us that way. But what we really are excited about with Exodus is the fact that if your camera does get stolen, we actually offer a 50% off theft damage replacement policy. So if your camera is stolen in those five years um, that our, our warranty covers, we actually give you a new camera 50% off. And, and that's one of the things that, that really is important to us as far as, you know, taking care of our customers, being there for them whenever something's wrong. Um, and uh, that's something we're pretty proud of. If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit Exodus Outdoor gear.com now it is the holiday season and an exodus trail camera would make an absolutely perfect gift for the hardcore hunter in your family uh and if you're going to buy a gift for yourself nothing better than a, a trail camera um guys i'm telling you what these cameras I've, I've had them out since april of this year i've had a couple of them out straight um with the recommended lithium batteries and i've had zero problems with them zero so give uh you know don't take my word for it buy one and then see for yourself and uh, when you do decide to purchase enter the code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers no spaces and you will receive twenty dollars off of your purchase now let's get into today's podcast with chase mallory all right, on the phone with me now, all the way from Ohio, is Chase Mallory. How are you doing today, Chase? Good well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. So, you you sent me some pictures, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the buck that you shot is awesome. I love tight, like tight racks that are mass like there's good mass on it and when i saw that picture i'm like dude i gotta get you on the show to talk about that yeah he's a pretty cool buck nice but okay before we get started why don't you let everybody know where you live what do you do for a living all right i'm uh i live in central ohio area um i'm a uh, criminal defense attorney we're kind of based out of uh, columbus ohio but uh kind of practice all over ohio probably primarily on the eastern eastern half of, of Ohio. Okay. Do you specialize in anything? We do a lot of DUIs. I would say um, we focus our practice probably on DUIs, but uh, we run the gamut of you know, pretty much all criminal defense, or criminal defense charges. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I take it that your job um, can be pretty stressful at times? It can. It can, uh, it can keep me quite busy, but... Uh, I don't really have any complaints. I, I still get to hunt as much as I want, so uh, it works out very well for me. Amen to that. Amen to that. So I guess I want to start 
all the way at the beginning, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about, um, I guess, share with us how you got into hunting in the first place. Was it like an uncle or a family member or your dad that got you into hunting? Yeah, I actually was an uncle, actually two uncles. Um, my uh, my dad did not hunt. My mother hates hunting. She tolerates it with me. <laughs> um, but uh, my uncles, um, they're big hunters, and uh, I would say from God, I mean, I had to have been five years old when I probably was uh, really interested in it. I'm not entirely sure if it was because of them or, or what, um, but they uh, they kind of got me into it, and um, they would take me and I'd tag along when I was I was little, and um, kind of got me into archery hunting, and they live about three hours away, so it wasn't really conducive, uh, you know, for me to go up there and, and go hunting with them. So also very lucky with my dad. Um, he he was a good sport about it. He would take me every Saturday morning, probably starting when I was about in seventh grade. And uh, we, back then in, in Ohio, we weren't allowed to hunt on Sunday. So it was just our Saturday morning thing. We would go out every Saturday. And uh, my dad had uh, you know, about no idea what he was doing, but uh, he went and sat sat with me every, every week. So uh, between the three of them, that's kind of how I got off. Oh, nice. I tell you what, I had uh... – a, a scenario similar similar to yours um my mom's not a big hunter she, she she doesn't hate it but she she's uh she just never got in into it like uh like i did but my dad he's uh he likes to fish and go camping not a hunter so i had two uncles that kind of planted the seed in in me as far as they took me trapping they took me pheasant hunting um they took me turkey hunting and uh that's kind of how I, a little bit of the, the hunting gene got passed on down to me, but when you started off hunting, did you start off using a gun or did you go straight into archery? Um, I would say pretty much straight into archery. I think I, I got my first bow and arrow. I mean, it was just a, you know, extreme youth model, um, cheap bow. I, I would have been in elementary school, so I was always shooting my bow. Um, not necessarily hunting, obviously at that age, but, uh, I got a shotgun. I think I got a single barrel shotgun when I was in sixth grade. So I guess probably my first deer hunt, I was maybe the first year or two, I I guess I was shotgun hunting. I wasn't strong enough to pull back my bow, uh, but I always had one. I always wanted to, I was kind of going through exercises and working out just to get strong enough to pull it back. Um, Okay. So, so I, get, I guess, I guess the start was shocking, but it, it really was archery was what I wanted to do. Right. So how old were you when you, I guess, how old were you when you had your very first year of like bow hunting? I want to say I was in seventh grade. Seventh grade. Okay. And is that when your dad was going out with you every Saturday? It was, and uh, yeah, I with my uncles whenever I could, but that, that's about when my, my dad would take me out every Saturday. Okay. Now, when, um, and, and this is just me assuming, but, you know, your dad not being a hunter and you kind of not having a real figure to guide you in the woods as far as deer sign and where to be and where to sit and that kind of stuff, how did you learn to... I guess, I guess I'll just ask the vague question. How did you learn to bow hunt? Um, <laughs> making a lot of mistakes. I'll tell you, I mean, I, I've been very lucky too. With my uncle's getting me into it. My dad taking to me. And then we got uh, a guy that worked with my dad. It was a beautiful hundred acre piece of property and he was a big hunter. Um, so he was very accommodating of us. And, and um, he was a huge help. I would say, I mean, there was, well, heck the first year that I killed my dad and I had no idea how to even got the thing. So, um, you know, we'd get help wherever we could get it. Good. So then, you know, your dad helped you for a couple of years. How long until you were hunting by yourself? Oh, pretty much when I got my driver's license. Um, I think, uh, I turned 16 in the spring of my sophomore year. And, uh, when I had my driver's license, we, we pretty much took off on our, on our own, started turkey hunting that, that spring. And, uh, and then from there, I pretty much took over the reins. Gotcha. And your, your parents at that age were okay with you going out by yourself? Um, I would say to this day, my dad still worries about me. He's <laughs> kind of got a worrying team, but, uh, he, I think they kind of realized they weren't going to have a choice in the matter. Right. Yeah. So I, I, just to backtrack a bit, you mentioned your mom's not a big fan, fan of hunting. Is she 
would you put her in the anti-hunting category or is it she just like just not like killing animals i wouldn't say she's in the anti-hunting part of it but she she doesn't want to see that animal she doesn't want to um she won't have anything she's a vegetarian and and so basically she just wants to be distanced as much as possible right okay so was that was that hard for her i guess to watch you grow up to I guess basically your passion, you know, this is a rough way of saying it, but your passion is to kill animals. Um, I think it's hard for her to understand. She, but she was very understanding through it. I mean, the first deer that I killed, she let us hang it in the garage. Um, It probably made her sick to her stomach, but uh, she was, she was really good sport about it. Good, good. So as you got older in, you know, your, your very first bow season by yourself, I guess I should even backtrack before that. How old were you when you harvested your first deer with a bow? Uh, I would have been in eighth grade. So I guess that'd make me 13 or 14. Okay. So your dad was in the tree with you when it happened? No, he wasn't. I, um, I always wanted to sit by myself. And we, at that time, we were hunting out of stands that the landowner had, had put up. And they had a, a ladder going up to them. And uh, they were enclosed, basically, permanent stands. So... Um, it was, it was safe enough. He would lock me to the stand and then he would go hunt somewhere else. We actually had, uh, like walkie talkies. Uh, we we didn't have cell phones at that point. So we had walkie talkies and, uh, you know, if he needed to check in or I need to check in, we could do it that way. Okay. Now talk to me a little bit about, I, I guess, share, share, not necessarily a long story, but give us a, give us a quick rundown about this very first deer that you harvested with a bow. I will. It, it was horrible. I, I, I <laughs> find it. They, they had come in uh, just shortly before shooting time, and uh, there was a handful of them. And at that time, I, I just wanted a deer. I've been hunting for years, and, you know, every Saturday, basically, and I always wanted was a deer. So um, I did, the closest one, first one that gave me a shot, I let it fly, and I spined it. And... Uh, <clears throat> I ran out of air. I shot out again. I ran out of arrows. Uh, <laughs> so I'm on the walkie talkie telling my dad to get over. Um, it was for your first year. And then at that age, it was, it was pretty mortifying. So he came over, he helped me. Um, and we got it, uh, we got it down and, uh, ended up at that point realizing, you know, what are we going to do now? Right. Um, neither one of us had ever got a deer. So we ran down to the, the landowner's house and, uh, knowing him now, I think that he was probably thinking it was kind of funny. He said, well, I got to go coon hunting. So he left yeah. and he had his wife, a 60 year old woman out there, the flashlight <laughs> trying to show my dad and I how to cut this deer. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> that, and actually for that me, not hilarious. that embarrassing, but it was really embarrassing for my dad who had to go to work, you know, the following Monday and everybody at, uh, at his plant knew, knew the story about, uh, <laughs> let's learn how to get a deer from a woman. Oh man, that, that is, that's funny, but it, it, it's crazy because the, the landowner is just like, I don't want to deal with it. Have my wife do it. I, you know, and, and knowing this guy, he's one of the funniest guys I've, I've ever met. I think, uh, I think he probably had that, that plan the, the whole time so he could have some fun <laughs> with it at work. That's funny. So, so it was a doe, right? Your first archery kill was a doe. <laughs> It turned out to be a button buck. Button buck. Okay. So, you know, you started you started hunting by yourself. When did you start to, I guess, get serious about it? And what I mean by that is put in a lot of time, maybe do some preseason, postseason scouting, maybe get into some shed hunting, stuff like that. I would say college is when I really probably started to get serious about it. Um, you know, I, my schedule in college was – fairly conducive for me to, to get out there and hunt most days. So, um, I would say college when I really probably started to get serious about it. Um, then gradually more serious probably every year. Okay. So did you have any, uh, because for me, college was not about hunting. Um, I love the outdoors and if I would go home for a weekend, I, I would hunt, but I was never serious about it i was serious about other things in college but not necessarily the right things like hunting um what uh i mean how how much time in college 
do you think you were able to get out during the year uh, and, and hunt? Oh, it was a lot. Uh, my grades would probably uh, <laughs> show you that. It was, I was probably hunting five days a week. Okay. Um, and and it, most of the time, it is quite hard to call it hunting. I didn't, I mean, I was a college student, didn't have that much money. I didn't know how to butcher a deer. So um, I knew every time I shot a deer where I was going to be paying for you know, another tag or processing fee. So a lot of times I take my camera up there and obviously I was, you know, hoping to see a big buck, but you know, the fact of the matter is that doesn't happen every time. So, um, but I just like being up. And, uh, so it was probably five days a week. My friends thought it was crazy, but, uh, you know, I mean, we still get back in time to party, I guess. <laughs> That's right. So the, when you were in college, were you hunting on public ground? Where did, where did you go to school? Uh, so I went to a college about an hour east of, uh, of Columbus is Muskingum college is about mm, 40 minutes from, from where I hunt. Um, it was, a, it, was it was the same hundred acre piece that I pretty much grew up hunting and, okay. uh, that I killed my first deer on. Okay. So you ended up, you were close enough to go back to that same property a lot. Yep. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, did you have any, as you know, you mentioned, okay, let me start over. As you progressed, you know, through high school and into college and maybe after, after college, what were some, can, can you point out some, some examples of maybe learning experiences? Like, um, I did this and then I learned that I probably shouldn't have, or I, you know, some kind of, can you give us some examples of, a of some learning experiences that you can remember? Sure. And some of them are terribly embarrassing and, and starting from the beginning. One of the, I guess, first hunts I was on by myself and I, and I truly would have been a kid at this point, but I had deer coming in and they started blowing at me. And I didn't, at that point, you know, I heard people talking about deer snorting. I'd never heard one. I didn't really know what people were talking about. Um, so I started snorting back at them. <laughs> I had no idea. So, so we can start there uh, and, and give you an idea of how I progressed as a hunter. I mean, it, I, I truly learned all of this stuff is, I guess, as, as rawly as possible. Um, I, uh, when I was in high school, I, I was a lot of times hunting out of, um, you know, permanent stands. Yeah. And then, uh, I was able to get my, my hands on a, uh, Oh, it was an old man climber. And, uh, I learned pretty quickly. That was, uh, very effective way to, to go see more deer, you know, burning right. out a spot, hunting a new tree every time. That was, um, that was a big thing I learned pretty early. Um, God, I've, I've had some, some really doozy stories. I tend to have a little bit of an ADD problem. I think sometimes in Stan, I was, I was my freshman year of college and I had the biggest buck of my life I ever seen to this day on the hoof. Um, and I couldn't shoot him because I was out of arrows, uh, because I've been shooting at squirrels. So <laughs> I, to this day, I will not walk out of the woods without at least two arrows with, with good broadheads on them. Um, I will not let that happen again. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry for laughing, there, but you know, I'm hearing a lot of first time stories in this conversation and that's, that, that makes me smile. Yeah. Oh man. I, and I, there's plenty more of that, that, that those come from. It, it's, uh, it's been quite an adventure. I'll tell you that. But, uh, no, I mean, I guess going forward, um, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, your podcast and, and your podcast with Mark, uh, that's been a tremendous help. I never really paid too much attention to the, to the weather and pressure and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm doing more of that now. And, uh, right. I think it, that helps. Okay. So then let's say college gets over and you're, you're, you know, you're now a grown man and you're out in the world by yourself. What, uh, I mean, ha- was there any type of change in strategy or how you approached the season that, that changed over, over those years as well? Um, yeah, time, you know, I guess is much more limited now. Um, and especially when I was in, geez, when I was in law school, I went to law school down in Florida, so it was quite tough getting back here to, to hunt. Um, so I guess from a strategy perspective, um, and I'll just tell you, I, I've never killed a good buck in the early season or late season. Yeah. Um, I try, but I just, I've realized that that is not my niche. When November's are good to me, um, 
I, I, you know, I, I try like heck to, to get one down early season or late season, but that just doesn't seem to be my, my forte. So, um, I really try to focus most of my time in November um, as much as, as possible. And uh, really in, in November, um, either hunting just outside bedding areas or, um, or good funnels or, or areas that I you know, maybe even look like a funnel, but you know, the deer are traveling, bucks are cruising. And that's kind of um, really been my strategy that's been effective for me. Um, I hope to change that. I hope one day to be, I'd be a better hunter in the early season or late season. I got a buddy, Chris, who's just uh, really good at hunting deer in the early season, the late season. Um, I'm just not there yet. Gotcha. So you mentioned that you kind of cut your teeth and you are still hunting this, this 100 acres, right? This property that you've had for several years. Um, why don't you describe to us what that hundred acre looks like? Tell us what the mixture is and all, and how the terrain lays and whatnot. Sure. So actually now I, I'm hunting about 800 to a thousand acres. Um, slowly build it up over the years. I finally realized, you know, hundred acres is, is great to have. I'm lucky to have them. A lot of people don't, but, uh, I started asking for, for permission to hunt different farms in the area. Oh, probably four or five years ago, um, actually kind of through, through waterfowl hunting. It's amazing. You don't ask somebody for permission to deer hunt and it's kind of hard, um, to get permission. Everybody wants to deer hunt, especially, you know, around this part of Ohio. Um, you go ask a farmer if you can go sit, sit down in their field and shoot geese and they look at you like, hell yes. And, and you're crazy. (laughs) So, um, through that, actually, I've, I've been able to pick up um, quite a bit more ground in that particular area that I can hunt. It is, give you an idea, it's it's a good mixture of, of cropland and, and timber. Um, <clears throat> some of them are almost exclusively timber and some of them are almost exclusively uh, cropland. And as far as terrain goes, it's in the western part of Ohio is real flat. Eastern part is um, pretty hilly. And this is kind of right where the where the hills start. So it's, it's definitely got some, some terrain to it. And I wouldn't call it flat by any means. Okay. So, um, is it on a crop rotation, you know, with corn and beans or is there other like clover or hay or any other type of products? uh... Oh, but we got corn, beans, alfalfa, um, whatever else they they're planting. We plant food plots. Um, it's they pretty much got it all. It's really great deer habitat. Gotcha. Any crick systems that run through it or any type of like big ridges or anything like that? Um, yeah, uh, there's uh, a couple properties have some pretty substantial ridges. Um, one of them's got a swamp. Well, the swamp's not on the property, but backs up to the property I can hunt. Yeah. Um, no big, no big cricks, but, but some little cricks. Okay. So on, on, you know, on these properties, um, over the years, have you been, I mean, have you moved away from some of those permanent stands? Like for example, I'm using, I, I, I'm going back to this hundred acres that you've can, that you've started to, uh, that you've started out with, but when did you realize that you needed to maybe back off some of those field edges and start jumping into different spots to really try to get and find the deer? Um, my buddy's brother, this has been, she's, I probably would have been about in law school. Um, he used to guide out, out in your direction, out of Iowa, Illinois, Missouri. And, and I started, started to see him using the lone wolf, um, with, with the sticks. So when I realized, you know, what he was doing with that, I, I would say, um, that probably been about eight years now. Um, I picked, I picked a lone wolf up. I've, I've got another one now, but, uh, I haven't hunted a permanent stand for, for years. I don't even know I've been in a ladder stand for, for years. Um, for the most part, I try to try to hunt a tree a couple times and, uh, and then bounce somewhere else. Okay. So then, um, are would you consider yourself with, with that equipment then like a run and gun hunter, are you setting up different places every day every, or every time you hunt, or do you have the, those stands set and trimmed out or, or different trees trimmed out before the season starts so that when it's time to really start going after it, um, all you have to do is set your stand up. 
I have stands hung, but but I would say ninety percent of the hunting I do is is with that lone wolf. I'll, I'll set it up and take it down, or you know, if I'm hunting in the evening and I'm, I know I'm going to hunt the next morning, I, I may leave it there for the night. But uh, but it's very rare that I I leave it there for much longer than that. Right. Okay. So so now we kind of got an idea of how you hunt and what you know some of the property and stuff like this. Let's talk about maybe we'll start with the last couple seasons. Um, did you, do you have, uh, a goal or, uh, I guess a hit list that you put together? Are, are you running trail cameras during the summertime? Um, tell us a little bit about maybe what you're looking for in a deer these days. So yeah, we, we run trail cameras. Um, I probably need to do a better job at it. Um, I do spend a lot of time with glass and kills and stuff with, uh, with binoculars and stuff. But, uh, I mean, for the most part, 140, 150 inch deer, it, it does it for me. Um, I want to, want to hunt mature deer. Um, but I, I can't say that, um, I'm the best at, uh, at doing that. Um, but, uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I mean, I'm a mature deer. Um, I'm not looking, you know, obviously for a Boone and Crockett every year or anything like that. But, uh, if, if a deer looks to me like he's in the 140, 150 inch range, that's, uh, that's usually a deer that I'd, I'd be happy taking. Okay. So this year, I, I guess let's start, let's start at the, at the beginning, maybe this summer. Did you plant any food plots or did you, did you have this buck that you ended up shooting on trail camera during the summer months? Uh, we did plant a couple food plots, not on any of these properties that, um, that I've hunted, uh, this fall. Um, I did not have this buck on trail camera until <clears throat> a few days uh, before I killed him. But I, that's probably not surprising because I wasn't running trail cameras on the area that I killed him. So, okay. and, and where I got the picture of him was actually across the street. Um, I certainly wasn't going in after this deer to kill him. Gotcha. All right. So, I, so it wasn't like you were necessarily hunting this buck, right? You were going to good spots and then hoping a, a shooter would, would show up. Pretty much. I, I, um, there's been one buck in particular I've kind of been after holding a shed now, actually, um, last couple of years. And, uh, we found a shed this spring. It was 79 inches. And I watched them a little bit in the summer. And that, I told myself that's what I was going to hold out for. But I wasn't getting any pictures of them, wasn't really seeing them. So when November was getting close, I pretty much, uh, changed my thought process on that. I, you know, still, still wanted to kill him, but, uh, I was opening myself up to, you know, really any other good buck that, that gave me a chance. Okay. So you had an, you had a, a buck that you, you had been chasing. Is that, uh, you found his sheds. Did you have any previous encounters with this said buck? No, he was like a ghost to me. I mean, it was driving me crazy because I, I spent so much time out there scouting and stuff. Um, he's living on a property that nobody can hunt. Um, but the farmer told me about him and seemed like he would see him, see him with, uh, some frequency and, uh, you know, start talking to some other people in the area and you know, they were telling me about him. And so I actually got permission to go in and shed hunt the place. And, uh, we, we searched it high and low, couldn't find a shed. And then I got back onto the property, um, that I do have permission to hunt and they're laid. Um, so I kept pretty excited. I thought maybe I'd have a, a pretty good shot at him this year, but that was the deer that I, I truly was after, and part of the reason why I wasn't running trail cameras where ultimately I ended up killing the buck this year. Okay. So so the the property that you shot, this was it this buck or the property that you're talking about with this, this other buck that you've been chasing kind of borders another property that nobody has permission to hunt? Um, the property where I found the shed um, – is is a little 60 acre piece owned by the same farmer but it is separate from his main farm and it borders uh about 100 acres of uh, land that nobody can hunt okay so um why doesn't anybody hunt that property the uh the woman actually um she used to have a pet deer loves deer okay um so <laughs> i don't think anybody's probably ever gonna hunt it okay well i tell you what i got a i got a story for you i I hunt a, pre a piece of property that uh, it, the land has been sold since, but um, this lady uh, who owned the property to the south of it where all the deer 
were coming in and out of. Um, it was in some kind of uh, national or she put it in some kind of bird wetlands fund where, um, you know, she could get some tax breaks off of it, but at the same time, no one could hunt it. And I would see right. giant bucks come in and out of there all the time. So one day I asked, Hey, do you mind if I hunt this property? And I might've told this story before on the wired to hunt podcast, but <laughs> this lady tells me that her Indian spirit is a white tailed doe. And she, she can't, she can't let me hunt there because if I killed her Indi- Indian spirit, that would be bad vibes for her. <laughs> That's a tough one to overcome. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I mean, there's, I, I can go up, knock on a door and you know, if someone tells me, no, I may throw them a rebuttal at them to try to maybe, you know, say, Hey, um, like I'm only here during the weekends or I I'm only interested in mature does or, or, or mature deer, or you won't even see me or, you know, I, I'll throw something out to maybe give it one last shot. But I, I had no rebuttal to that, to that particular. <laughs> I'd be, be pretty impressed if you could pull that up. <laughs> well, you're okay. Well, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, so uh, this lady loves deer, and do you think that that piece of property, because no one hunts it, makes your property better or worse? Um, well, I'll tell you that I didn't actually realize that the landowner owns this particular 50 acres a- until this past spring. So, and, and to be honest with you, I only hunted it one time this fall, so... I have no idea if that particular parcel is gotcha. even a good place to hunt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, when when does Ohio season open for archery? I want to say it's been the last Saturday in September. So I want to say this year was like September twenty fourth. Okay. So some some years you can get an entire week, and some days you can get one day. Right. Just depends on when that right. Saturday lasts. Uh, lands yep so now we'll now we'll transition into the buck that you shot this year um what day of the year did you end up shooting this buck i believe it was november 3rd it was the first thursday in november okay all right all right so you shot this buck on uh november 3rd uh how much hunting did you do before you ended up shooting this deer and did you have any encounters with any with any other deer um well this has probably been about my 15th hunt of the year okay um so i got a fair amount in um really didn't have any encounters with any well that's not true i did have an encounter with a good good deer early season i want to say it was the second weekend of season um he, he was on me. He couldn't have been 10 yards, um, but I didn't have any shots. I could barely even see the deer. Um, and that was on a complete different, different farm. Um, so on this particular farm, I'm killing this deer. I had only hunted it. Let's see. I guess two other times I had, uh, was hunting across the street and I'd been seeing a bunch of does come out and actually and started running the camera and there's some decent bucks, um, out there too. And, uh, one of those times I, I did see a double drop dime buck. And it was the first time I've ever seen a, a buck with, with two nice double drop tines. Right. Um, but he, he was a young deer. Um, he probably couldn't even have been 120 inches, but will be a cool deer hopefully. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, the, the deer that I ended up killing would have been the first, uh, quote unquote shooter that, that I had an encounter with. Okay. Do you have, do you have to share your properties with other bow hunters? I do. Okay. I so do. are they, what, what kind of bow hunters are they? Are they serious kind of hardcore guys like yourself or are they more of the, I'm going to sit in a stand that I've uh, sat in for 30 years and this is where I'm going to kill my deer. So it's kind of a mix um, throughout the different properties. The property that I'm up killing this deer on, um, even within this group, it's kind of a mix. Early season, I, I pretty much have have it to myself. Um, never really encountered anybody else hunting out there. The farmer's got a group of guys that 
uh, a lot of them coming in from out of state. Um, at one point, I think it was like 12 guys coming in to hunt. Um, it's down to like this year, there was four of them. Um, two of them are good hunters. Um, they come in from Tennessee and, uh, they do do pretty well when they're here. Um, the other two are kind of older guys and I think they're just kind of out there for the experience. I, I'm not sure they've killed a deer in the last five years. Um, so it's, it can be a little tricky, but it could be a lot worse. Right. Okay. So, um, do they ever, when, when you're there at the same time with some of these hunters, is there ever times where, you know, your, you may ruin their hunt or they ruin your hunt based off of, you know, them already, you or them already being in the stand or has there ever been any type of, um, I don't want to say altercation cause that sounds like it's a bad thing, but conflict or confrontations between you and them. Um, well, I'll tell you last year, um, I, I was dead set on trying to kill a buck in early season. Um, and, uh, I finally got on one. It was probably middle of October. Um, finally got on one and, uh, kept moving closer, kept moving closer. And I had a pretty good idea of where he's been and where he's coming out. Finally, I moved in for the, uh, hopefully the kill. And, uh, I thought these guys were coming in the following day. So I thought I had, you know, one last chance to put an arrow on them. And I was sitting up there. I just hung my, my, my lone wolf. I got my designers going on. The wind's perfect. And this, I'd seen this deer you know, four or five times coming out into this, um, bean field. So I was pretty optimistic and, all about 45 minutes before dark. <clears throat> um, I just heard, I just heard really fast walking towards me. I, oh my God, grabbing my bow. I turn around and it's one of these guys that come in from out of state. Uh, but that he was heading up to go check one of his tree stands. Ironically. And I didn't know this. I hadn't been up there. He had his tree, like a ladder stand up within probably 50 yards of where this deer is bedding. Um, so that, that was really the only, only issue that, that we've had. And in, in quite honestly, this year, I didn't think they were coming in until uh, Saturday. So I figured I could get in and be a couple of days ahead of them on, on the spots I wanted to hunt. And I could you know, get a hunt in Thursday and get a hunt in Friday morning. Ultimately when I pulled up there Thursday, they were already there. Um, and they've been, uh, they've been hunting the property longer than I have. Um, so I'm probably in no position to really negotiate where people are going. So I just asked them, you know, where, where are you guys going and I'll stay out of your hair. Fortunately, they didn't want to go where I wanted to go. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, so this year back to this deer again, I, I kind of, I'm bouncing all over the place, but I mean, you're, you didn't see any other, what you would consider shooters until, until this, I mean, were you seeing a lot of sign early season? Were you seeing rubs, scrapes, um, I mean, did you know where you, did you feel you had these properties figured out as far as where the deer were bedding and where they were traveling to, you know, to what food source or wherever they were going at night and coming back from in the morning? Um, this year, not really. Um, and, and I didn't do the best year or the best job this year running, running cameras. Um, so I wouldn't say that I, I really had a great idea on the deer movement. Um, yeah. what I did know was, um, where I ended up killing this deer, um, it's one of the best bedding areas I've, I've ever seen. I remember it was up there. Um, I specifically didn't, didn't go up there. Um, so I did know that we had a, a north wind I could get on the downwind edge of it. And I'd be the first person up there for the whole season. And, you know, my, probably nobody had been up there for, you know, since the, the previous year. So um, that was pretty much my thought process here. Okay. Um, so what does does your stand locations or do your stand locations change at all from maybe early season to the, the rut or, I mean, are you hunting field edges or transition period or transition trans uh, staging areas, excuse me, or travel corridors or bedding areas? Uh, are, are you hunting the same every, same thing every hunt or are you kind of bouncing back and forth between those kind of categories? Um, in the early season it's primarily fields and, uh, you know, that seems to turn off <clears throat> if I can get into the timber and some, some type of acorn flat where I think I'm not going to be doing too much damage. Um, I'll do that, but not a whole lot, mostly because I just, um, yeah, I've, 
I've never had any luck on a, a, a buck early season, so I don't want to ruin my spots. And that's that's primarily the reason. So, but when I when I think they're 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 moving, I can put a little more pressure on them, then then I'll move into the timber. Okay. All right. So, the the was this a morning uh, hunt or an evening hunt when you shot this buck? This was an evening hunt. An evening hunt. Okay. So, talk to me a little bit about uh, this this particular hunt. Did you did you hunt that stand or that location any time any time previous to the time that you killed this buck? Uh, never. In fact, the uh, I had only been up to this spot <clears throat> one time. I think it was the shed season or turkey season, but I kind of stumbled upon it. It's really not too far from the farmer's house, but but it's a uh, you know, basically it's kind of a mixture of CRP grass and, and briars, and it's about seventy five yards uh, wide and maybe a couple hundred yards long. Okay. Um, so I initially thought, well, I could get a disc in here and this would be a great food plot. And then I, I thought better of it. Um, so I, I just intentionally stayed out of this, this spot. I've never, like I said, I think it was, well, it must've been last spring when I found it. And, uh, I've never hunted it. Um, I had no idea what tree I was going to. I just knew about general direction, looking at maps where I needed to be. So this was a run and gun then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you, 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 through scouting, you found this, you found this area, um, as you were walking in there to, to hunt it for the very first time, did you see any sign that indicated maybe, Hey, there, there might be something here. Um, no, I can't say that I really looked though. Um, but even since then, I, I didn't really, didn't really notice much, um, be honest with you it's it's only i mean a couple hundred yards from the maybe 300 yards from the farmer's house and you're basically walking up a pretty steep hill of timber where you might see deer trails but um i, I didn't see any scopes i didn't see any rugs or anything like that okay just just thick and nasty right yep okay so um you get set up did you you know you you find you pick your tree what was the wind doing that day uh, well, they're calling for a northwest wind. Um, the reality of it was it was north and then it was west, um, and it kept changing between the two. So northwest was the average, I guess. I got you. So it was kind of unstable wind. It was. Okay. What was the temperature? Uh, that's a good question. It was pretty warm. I know this because I was, I was sweating quite a bit after I got the stand hung. I'm going to say it was probably in the low 60s mid 60s when i started hunting um it seemed to cool off quite abruptly that evening okay so after you know after you get set up starts to cool down um did you have any other deer work through the area before this buck showed up um that buck was already there um and it was, this was certainly not my plan. Um, my plan was, I was getting set up on the downwind edge of this, uh, this thicket. It, it basically runs east to west and we're supposed to have essentially a north wind. Um, so I got on the south side of it, set my stand up and, uh, I, I hopped into the stand and I'm sure you've experienced this before. I start looking around thinking, why did I pick this tree? There's, there's literally nowhere for me to shoot. Maybe one shooting lane. Um, and even that's kind of sketchy. So, um, I, I started, uh, trying to break branches off, but these branches were very much alive and, and and pretty thick. I didn't have a handsaw with me. So I started then taking them and and trying to like bend them over other branches to like pin them up against another branch to open up some shooting lanes. I've done that. And, uh, yeah, so, um, I get one kind of cleared off and uh i want to get another shooting lane and and so i actually had to move my safety harness down uh real low by the base of the tree stand kind of take a step off the tree step on or step off the tree stand and put a foot on a branch and start working on another one and as i'm doing this the, the branches are all clattering together and the noise i'm making i just hear directly across the crp field from me and i hadn't been on in the tree stand for two minutes. Yeah. Um, and I heard the same thing on the other side of the CRP field. So I stopped and I looked, I don't see a deer, but I see a pretty good sized tree just being rocked. Absolutely. Just back and forth. I thought he was going to rip the thing out of the ground. 
Wow. So, oh God, I got to get back up in the tree stand. I get back up there. I get uh, hit my safety harness uh, back up where it needs to be, and I realize my bow's still on the ground. Um, <laughs> so, so I get get my bow up and uh, you know, trying to get the release around my wrist. You know, I'm fumbling around trying to pay attention to this deer, and, and he'd moved on to another tree now, and it's so sick. Um, that I, I really could just make bits and pieces out of deer. Most of the time I couldn't even see him. I could just see the tree that he was just thrashing. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen a deer work a tree like this. I mean, just absolutely demolishing these things, leaves flying everywhere. Um, so I get, anyway, I get, get my bow, uh, set up, um, get my, get my release on. And then he just kind of disappeared for a few seconds. So I, I waited and I couldn't see him. So I, I didn't have a deer call on me either. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't ever take one. It's like, uh, you know, if you have one of those long nights of, of drinking and then the next day you look at your phone or your Facebook and think, oh, my God, what was I saying? Well, that's me with a deer call in the woods. I get back to the truck thinking, what, what were you doing? You didn't have, um, to, you didn't so have I, to grunt 17 times today. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, so I, I, I intentionally leave it at home, but yeah, I really wanted one. Um, so this particular occasion, the wind was perfect. Um, I had no idea he was going to be better, you know, 7,500 yards from me. Um, I knew he had to have been still in the area. So I just snort wings with my mouth. Um, I had figured he probably, when, when I was trying to break those limbs, I think he thought I was another buck, um, making a rub. So I snort wheezed and as soon as I did it, he popped out right into the middle of the, uh, CRP field looking around. And then, uh, at this point he was probably, Oh, 70 yards, still tough for me to see him, um, through, through this brush. Um, but he walked over to a tree in the middle, kind of coming towards me and started, started working that tree by violent as he, he was the other ones. And, and he was grunting and just kind of like stomping around in circles. Gotcha. Um, but I didn't want to, didn't want to overdo it. So I just going to let the situation unfold. And then and he just disappeared. I had no idea where he went. Um, nothing. Um, so that was the first deer I saw. Ultimately I ended up killing him, but, uh, he, um, he disappeared on me for, for quite a while on this stuff. And like I said, it wasn't very far. So what time you, you were only in the stand for about two minutes before you ended up seeing him, but how long from the time he disappeared to the time that he showed back up again. How long was that? It was about two hours. So I got, got in my stand and started messing around with those branches about four. And by the time I actually saw him, it was about six. And I saw two other deer in between there. I saw had a doe, I guess, um, to the west of me. Um, I was really concerned that if she kept going north, that he may find her and, I never, never see either one of them again, but, uh, somehow she snuck off and he never detected her. Did you see then, any, did you see any other deer in between the time that you saw this buck and the time that you killed him? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I saw that doe probably about five o'clock. Okay. Um, yeah, my first thought, thought was it was that buck and it turned out to be a doe. And then I want to say about five forty-five, so about 15 minutes before I ended up seeing the buck again, I saw a little fork horn that actually went what appeared to be right by where that, that buck had been bedding, um, walked right by that and headed off to the east end of the crop fields. That was where he was going. Okay. So two hours later, he shows up. What direction? I mean, did he show up from the, like the same side, just closer? I think, yeah, I think, um, when I lost sight of him, I think he went back to his bed and I think he laid there, um, until shortly after that buck walked by him. And I think at that point he decided he was going to get up and head down to those crop fields too. So he, he got up out of basically where I'd first seen him and, uh, started walking. So it would have been to my Northwest. Um, and he, he starts walking, he's walking broadside. There's a, a trail through I, And I can see him very well at this point. There's a kind of a, uh, it must be a deer trail that goes right straight through the middle of this field. Um, but it angles down, to the southeast corner where my shooting lane was. Yep. Um, and so when I first saw him, <clears throat> I, uh, 
had a pretty good idea of what, what Bucky was. I like one picture of him, but his, his rack is so unique that um, pretty much pretty much knew which deer it was. Um, and then he got uh, oh he got to about twenty yards broadside, and I, I had no shots. So all these limbs were still in my way. Um, and he kept going, and then I did have a shot, maybe twenty five yards, thrown uh, back on him. And I just wasn't sure if I, if it was as clear as what I was thinking. So I, anytime I've ever missed a buck or miss hit a buck is because I rushed it and he was heading directly to my shooting lane. So I let down on him, um, expecting him to just walk straight to my shooting lane, but he didn't do that. He t- he turned and walked directly away from me. So now I'm kind of cussing at myself thinking, if you have a shot, take it. Um, but he's walking directly away from me at this point, and he's about to get into the timber. Um, and I kind of figured if he got into the timber, he was going to head down to the crop field and check for those. Yeah. Um, so I figured I had nothing to lose at that point, so I snort wheezed at him again. And uh, he turned around, and uh, I was getting a little nervous because the wind, like I said, it was blowing from, from the north or the west, and at this point he was – not quite due east, but maybe a little bit northeast of me, and the wind was blowing out of the west. Um, so he sticks his head up in the air and uh, trying to smell. I think at that point he still thought I was deer. I know he did, yeah. um, but he couldn't couldn't figure it out. And uh, so he looked around, and then again, it's it's like his reaction to to every time I I did anything was to find a tree and just start thrashing it. And right. so he found the nearest bush and just started thrashing the bush. Um, but again, not giving me a shot. Um, so he turned around and figured he was going to head back where he was going. And he gave it one last uh, snort wheeze and it was as aggressive as I could possibly be. And, and he just got immediately got pissed. He, he turned, turned on a dime almost too fast, really, and walked directly into my shooting lane, but extremely quartering too. Um, and when I saw when I saw him coming, I had drawn back. So I was already drawn back and he's, now he's due east, and, and this wind is pretty much going that direction, maybe a little bit northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if he stayed there for a second. I think at that point um, he was starting to get maybe get a little bit nervous. Um, I, I couldn't believe uh, he had stopped the way he stopped. It was, it was almost facing towards me, and then started to turn turn his body. I'm not sure if he was was spooking or what, but he pretty much got broadside. It was a little bit quartering too. I hate those shots, um, but I, I probably have never felt more comfortable with my bow. So I, I had a clear shot; it was thirty yards, and it was, uh, like I said, it was for the most part broadside, just a touch quartering too, yeah. and, uh, and I let it fly. So that is when I got a, a message from you. Uh, yeah, you you said sorry, and I'm I'm just on Facebook right now on the message part of it. Any thoughts on this blood concerned about a shoulder hit? And so when you, after you released the arrow, did you see it hit the deer? I mean, did you see where it hit or was it one of those things where it just happened kind of so fast and you didn't get a good chance to see where the arrow went? Yeah. So I, as as soon as I I squeezed it off and it sounded good, I mean, you probably know that feeling when maybe subconsciously you know what it feels like to put a good hit on deer yeah. that I, I was, I knew I drilled him and then it wasn't a second later um, when he was running away. So I shot his right side. He, he had spun and was, was running away. So I could only see his left side, but I could see what looked like a substantial amount of arrow sticking out of him. And from my angle, it looked high. So, and I, and I, and that tends to be my, um, my tendency was, you know, beat into my head when I was a kid, don't touch the deer. Well, um, <laughs> if I miss it a deer, it's usually in the shoulder. Um, and so I, I was sick to my stomach and I, I waited about 30 minutes. I didn't think I, I was convinced it was a shoulder hit. I waited about 30 minutes. I just wanted to see, I think it was, regardless of if it was a good hit or shoulder, I wasn't going to be bumping the deer if I got out of my tree stand and went over to look. So, so I went over to look and I didn't see any blood for maybe the first, five, 10 yards. And then <clears throat> that's when I saw the blood, but that was, 
I was pretty pessimistic. So yeah, I, I sent that picture to uh, quite a few people trying to get, yeah. uh, get an opinion. Mostly so, I was looking for a negative answer. <laughs> I was so like, mad at myself. Like don't even track this deer. Cause there's no way you're going to find it type of answer. Yeah, I, I wanted to be down on myself. So every time somebody would say, oh, no, I'm sure you put a good shot on I, I was like irritated. Right. So, so did you wait until the next morning to go looking for him? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, honestly, I was pretty convinced that it was a bad shot. Um, but I didn't know. I, I, it was just, it was confusing because it seemed so good. And then it looked so bad as it was running away. So I, I waited till the next morning and, uh, I bothered probably about a hundred people trying to get their thoughts on it. And, um, yeah, I waited till, till daylight the next morning. Okay. So then, uh, you know, you, you obviously went back to where you first, you know, the scene of the crime, so to speak, you found, you found the blood, um, you know, as you're following this blood trail, did you, I mean, did the blood get better and better? How, I mean, talk to us about from the moment that you started up again to the moment that you found this buck. Yeah. So, um, in, in hindsight, it, it really wasn't bad blood. Um, I, I like the ones where you can walk at a pretty fast pace. Um, but it really, I think the deer was moving so fast after I shot him that it was, it wasn't just a constant blood trail. It was, you know, a, you could see like a, a squirting of blood every five feet or so. Right. Um, and, uh, it probably went maybe 20 yards before I, I was still pretty nervous. And I finally, um, I finally found the arrow about 20 yards from where I left off. And I finally felt good about it because it was covered in blood and bubbles clear past the fletchings. Oh, that just made me more, even more confused. Um, but after that arrow came out, it opened up pretty good and I could pretty much walk. And in fact, I was talking on the phone as I was walking down the, the blood trail. Nice. So how long did it take you to find him then? Um, that's a good question. I, I, probably not even 15 minutes. So he didn't go, but 150 yards of tops, maybe a hundred yards. Gotcha. So then what, uh, where did you actually hit him? And what, I guess, what vitals did you hit? So the first thing I looked at, I swear to God, I didn't even look at his back. First thing I looked at, I was so confused about this hit. Um, I spun him over and, and <laughs> see where I hit him. And I think a, a perfect shot. I got his lungs. Um, and actually what I think what happened was he had already started turning. And when I shot, I think he was continuing to turn. So um, really when the arrow hit him, it was almost quartering away. So it actually, what happened was it hit that, um, well, I don't even know if it been off shoulder because it's been lower, but it, it at least hit that leg and that's why it kicked it back out. That's, <clears throat> that's what I had seen. Um, that's why the arrow was sticking out so far. But uh, yeah, that ended up being a, a perfect shot. So I, I, I was as surprised as anybody. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you what, it's funny that, my buddy or my, my boss at work, he ended up shooting uh, a deer broadside at 20 y- yards, double lunged him, full pass through, and there he watched the buck run away and bed down, and its head would get up. And then, it, it you know, you, you think double lung pass through, that buck's going to be dead in five minutes, under five minutes, right? Sure. It took this buck like four or five hours to die, and wow. he ended up not finding it until the next morning. There was no blood trail, so it's it's it can. There's times where tr- you know track jobs can be can make a guy go, "Man, I know I put a decent shot on this buck, but where's the blood?" You know what I mean? Sure. I think what happened on my boss's buck was he ended up he was at an angle where maybe one rib rib cage was stretched out. So when he shot him, that skin came back over top of the, the wounds, you know, sure. so, and then it covered it. So all the bleeding was on the inside and none of it actually, you know, went, went out. So he just filled up, filled so, up all inside. Yep. They ended up finding them not too far from where they saw, saw him last bed down, but man, it, it can be crazy. Now, you know, the picture is on the website, but describe describe the rack and describe what you feel the age of this buck is. Um, the rack is um, 
it's it's pretty unique. And his right side, he's got um, three brow tines. When I actually initially saw him on the hoof, I was convinced that he had a um, a double main beam. Um, it's just the way the angle it looked. Um, but he's actually got three brow tines on his right side, um, and then on his left side, so he has two brow tines. Um, but he's got a uh, a kicker off his G two. Um, but like you described him, um, fairly nasty. Um, yeah, he's got a uh, lot of character and, uh, kind of a, kind of a tight rack. Um, he's, uh, you know, by no means the biggest deer in the world. Um, but, uh, I don't know how old he was. I am going to guess there's a chance he was four, but more likely than not, um, he was probably a three year old deer. Okay. I tell you, I love the, the, the characteristics, especially that, uh, I'm looking, if I'm looking at the buck, his left side, uh, with that, like you said, it looks like a three point brow tine with a two point main beam. Yeah. Yep. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, congratulations, man. Thank you. Does, uh, how many archery tags can you get in Ohio? Um, man, that's not an easy question because it's, really goofy um it's broken down into like counties and and everything basically in the county that i do most of my hunting um we're allowed three three tags so um and i killed a doe a few days ago so I'm, I'm down to one tag in that county um but ultimately i'm not sure how many deer you can kill but this year as, in ohio if you spread it out right as far as bucks are concerned you're are you done yeah, we're only allowed one one buck tag, thank God. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Cool. That's probably part of the reason that keeps Ohio so good. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. Right. Well, congratulations. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. And, man, I, I really appreciate you taking time and coming on the show. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoy listening, guys. And there you have it. Another week of podcast down the drain. Uh, huge shout out to uh, Chase for coming on the show. Huge shout out to all the listeners. Huge shout out to Exodus Outdoor Gear and Exodus Trail Cameras. Huge shout out to Deer Lab. Um, huge shout out to my mom and dad for having sex uh, and having me. And um, uh, huge shout out to my wife for giving me children and letting me hunt. Uh, I don't know. I'm just on a shout out. Like, you know, I'm shouting out. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Anyway, guys. It's not over yet. There's still plenty of time to get out there and uh, do your thing. Uh, I mean, you can catch a cruising buck. It's it's not too late. Get out there. I don't know, bow, gun. I mean, it's hunting season. You should be hunting. And uh, when you're in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend and good luck.